Established in 2007, Middle East Studies at Marine Corps University brings in guest lecturers to speak about topics of importance to the United States Marine Corps and wider Department of Defense and U.S. government communities concerning the Middle East, broadly defined. In line with Middle East Studies' mission, the MES Lecture Series and other MES Talks and panels provide up-to-date information and analysis on the broader Middle East, including South and Central Asia, North and Sub-Saharan Africa, the Eastern Mediterranean, and the Black Sea and Red Sea regions. Welcome to everyone on both sides of the, the pond. Uh, it is, it is uh, with distinct honor and pleasure to, to introduce a, uh, a, 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 a person that uh, perhaps is best equipped to uh, discuss our current uh, lecture series uh, topic, which is uh, the Mediterranean. Broadly speaking, we are covering uh, the concentration has been mostly here at MCU, at least for us, uh, for the Krulak scholars, uh, Eastern Mediterranean, but but there's no line in that division between Eastern and Western Mediterranean, but Mediterranean as a whole. And I, I don't see uh, any better person to discuss that than our current uh, speaker. Uh, and I have the distinct honor of uh, introducing Admiral Pascal Lasseur. Uh, he is the Director General of FMES, uh, Mediterranean Foundation for Strategic Studies in Toulouse, France. Uh, Admiral Lasseur, after entering the Naval Academy in 1981, uh, has held many uh, distinguished uh, uh, ranks within the French Navy as a wing vice admiral, that's a two star. Admiral Lasseur had an operational career in the surface forces, particularly within the Naval Air Group. Having sailed for 15 years, he commanded uh, the C3 types, Jaguar, commandant of L'Arminier and Jean Bach. Uh, he's also taken part in numerous operational missions, particularly in the Mediterranean. Afterwards, the Admiral assumed responsibilities for the political military field and international relations uh, within the general staff of the armed forces of, of Republic of France, international bodies such as UN, the European Union and NATO, and the Director General of Armaments. After having served twice in the office of the Minister of Defense as head of the international cell, looking at Western world in Asia, then the head of the military cabinet. He was appointed Maritime Perfect, commander of the Maritime Zone and District of the English Channel and the North Sea. He joined the management of FEMS in October 2018. Sir, with pleasure, Thank you for accepting our invitation. The floor is yours, sir. Thank you. Thank you, Amin. Uh, very happy to see you again and uh, very pleased to, to, to take part to this seminar. Thank you for the invitation. I'm very happy to, to, to try to give you a French uh, perspective of uh, this uh, area, this region. East Med is, is key and I will focus on East Med uh, even if my so the title of my presentation was MED. This MED is, I would say, a concentration of the problems that we have in the MED, in the Mediterranean. So uh, very happy to, to, to give you uh, my perspective on this, on this uh, strategic uh, region and I'm uh, very happy to, to, to do it for the Marine Corps uh, University. You know, as a, as a former French officer, I know very well what the Battle of Guabello means for you, for the Corps, and for France as well. And uh, in my view, and it could be the introduction, 
this Boabello uh, remembrance uh, makes very, uh, very much sense now, especially now because history is coming back. And uh, that will be one of my, my main points for this uh, I would say history is coming back because we are living uh, a global strategic rupture. Uh, very, very important rupture, uh, which has two, I would say two pillars. First, history is back, and the, and the second one, the West, I would say, uh, I could say West is down. It's not, it's a bit too, too, <laughs> too far away. West, the West is in a bad shape globally. And that's, that's clearly, I think we have to take it in mind when you, you think about strategic evolution, geopolitical evolution, and military action in the years to come. Uh, you know, I, I joined you. You, I mean, you, you told it. Uh, I joined the navy in '81. It was uh, right after one of the Cold War climax. In fact, the invasion of Afghanistan by the USSR in '79. Uh, and uh, we were preparing at those times for World War III. Uh, and for 10 years, during 10 years, uh, we, we have, uh, and I was at sea, uh, working with, uh, with uh, NATO, with uh, the Allies, to prepare, to prepare for the, the World War III. And then, at the beginning of the 90s, I witnessed the, the end of the Cold War. And the new world, so it was a, a strategic rupture. Uh, and, uh, everybody thought at those times that the economy was going to fix everything, and the military was going to be used only to, to solve a crisis, not war, crisis, and this crisis were uh, rather in the South. Remember the motto of uh, President Clinton? Uh, no, you don't, the oldest of you. Uh, can remember the, the motto of President Clinton uh, election, the economy is stupid. It means that for them, that, that for everybody, for most of the people at this time, the economy was uh, alpha and omega of human uh, actions and international actions, and everybody was connected with the economy. And, uh, and so, uh, uh, the military was clearly aside just to solve crisis. Uh, and this crisis was most of them, and in the Mediterranean it was the case, in the Middle East and, uh, and in the MENA uh, region it was the case, it was connected with Islam. Uh, after the Iran revolution, by the way, Iran revolution was in 79, the same years of the invasion of Afghanistan, but at those times nobody cares about Iran revolution. Uh, and nobody uh, foresee the fact that this revolution was uh, given the start for us three decades of, uh, I would say, is, is radical Islamism, and uh, so end of the uh, of this uh, point. I just wanted to say that uh, uh, the crisis in the south where. Most of them were, were connected with uh, with uh, radicalism of Islam, with terrorism, what we call at the time terrorism, and uh, which became because Islam and 
became the main ideology uh, which federates the antagonism of the South against the West. Before, you had uh, Marxism and, and uh, Islam and radical Islam, uh, Islamism, in fact, uh, was uh, this new ideology. So I spent uh, nearly 30 years in these combats in, in Balkans, it was more the, the end of the of the of the Cold War legacy, and then in Lebanon, in the Gulf, in Africa, Libya, but as well South uh, Syrian zone, uh, in the Med, uh, in this kind of of, uh, of operations, and uh, uh, we knew uh, everybody knew, especially in the military, that uh, the it was just. Uh, a short period that, that the return of the big threats from powerful powers uh, is, are going, we are going to attack, especially China. But uh, I think that they came back faster and stronger than uh, expected, and it is now now the case. So the reason why I spoke about about strategic structure, and uh, when I, I I would like to have a, a top-down approach, so going from the general to the particular. And so, I, just a word about the world, uh, the world as I see it today, and in my view, the key words that best describes today's world is the word fragmentation. During this period after the Cold War, for 30 years, uh, the world was supposed to homogenize uh, the economy, uh, where uh, you know, uh, the development of the GDP was supposed to, to, to lead to social development, to easing of tensions, to social progress, to democratization. So, history uh, paradigm. And, uh, and, and in the Med, for example, uh, clearly it was a point of application of this, uh, of this vision. Uh, sorry. Uh, of the two shores of the Mediterranean was uh, considered as uh, inevitable. And uh, you know, uh, when you think about all the process, uh, you, in the EU you have the Euro-Mediterranean partnership. In NATO we had the Mediterranean dialogue. Uh, you had the Israeli-Palestinian Oslo Accords. All these agreements, all these agreements was uh, uh, placed themselves in in the in, in the trend of a quasi-automatic pacification of this region, and uh, which was uh, gradually integrated itself into a form of European uh, melting pot, and uh, clearly it's no it's not the case. It was a failure, and uh, this uh, convergence did not occur. And at the opposite, we we see a fragmented and fragmentation, and this fragmentation. Uh, which is uh, very sensible inside society, is very sensible as well in ex between societies. And uh, uh, one of the consequences is a de-westernization. I don't know if it makes sense of, in English, but you, 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 I guess you see what I want to mean. Uh, uh, the de-westernization of the, of, the, of the world, the fact that the West was much less attractive for a lot of people. Uh, in the case of the Mediterranean, you had a very 
strong discrepancies between the north and the south. I will go back to this point later because it's very important. And it creates a, a huge feeling of resentment vis-a-vis -vis the north, over the north. And, uh, and I, I think you uh, can't uh, study the world as it is now without taking into account the fact that there is a huge anti-Western ideology which is not on the rise and which brings together all of the non-Western people and which participates to this de-Westernization of the world. And uh, it is very sensible in the Med, in, in, it's very sensible in the MENA, in the, in the Middle East, but it's very sensible in China as well. And uh, look at the reaction uh, with the Ukraine war, and you, you look at the, the, this, this, this uh, resentment uh, towards, towards the West. And it's very interesting to see, to, to ask, wonder why uh, this feeling is so strong. So when you speak about the Mediterranean today, clearly it's not a Mare Nostrum at all, at all. Uh, so just another point for me, I would like to, I would like to, 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 to is uh, why Eastern Mediterranean is crucial, crucial for European countries, and at least, at least very, very important for the US. And uh, it's a small part of the world. You know, it's only 1% of the water in the world, the sea, uh, the, the planet. But in this whole area, we have a concentrate of, of a lot of stakes. And first of all, uh, this area is, is, uh, is uh, at the center of, of the world trade. And you know, the world trade is first of all a maritime trade. 80% uh, of the trade in the world is done by uh, by sea, and when you see uh, the sea lines of communications, uh, you see that uh, most of them are connected with the uh, MENA area. Uh, as you know that already, so I will go very 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 fast. On it. But, uh, you have four gates, main gates in the world when you speak about the, about the global trade. One in Asia. And one in Europe, North Range in Europe, uh, you know, uh, Netherlands and uh, Belgium and uh, north of France, and two in the, in the States, West and East. And, and, and with that, you do 75% uh, of the global trade. And uh, you have a fifth uh, part, which is very important, is the Persian Gulf, which is the oil pumps of, of, the, of the workshop of the world Asia, uh, 50% of the in, uh, energy uh, in China is coming from the Persian Gulf. So you can see that this area, I guess you see my arrow, this area is a, is a, is a, a, a center, a strategic, strategic center uh, for the trade. Another point uh, I would like to, to mention, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, Big part of the global traffic is going around Africa or in the Pacific, so not in the Med. Just 10% of the global trade is going through the canal, Suez Canal. Uh, but for Russia, for Turkey, for uh, for Egypt, uh, this 
this Suez Canal and Red Sea area and Babel Mandeb uh, choke point is vital, are vital. So uh, I would say that uh, this uh, uh, area is uh, crucial not only because of because we need it, but because it's very important for very important countries, and which, which has a very high capability of destabilization. Uh, last point for militaries: you can go, you can go uh, around Africa to join uh, to join the Indian Ocean and to join the Gulf, to join Asia from, from America or from Europe, but you are losing ten days, ten days. The shortcut uh, of of the Suez Canal of this area through the Med and through the Suez Canal and, uh, and the Red Sea is roughly between seven and ten days of sea. And when you speak about military deployment, it's very important. It's very important. It is another another uh, reason why this area is is uh, is key. Uh, when you speak about uh, internet. Uh, you know that uh, 80%, 95% of the internet is, is going through uh, undersea cables, and these undersea cables are going are, are following the, the routes, the sea routes. So uh, most of them are, are going through the Med and uh, and uh, through the Suez Canal, and and that's another point where. Why this area is very important? You can imagine what would happen if this can, these cables were cut, and you can imagine what's the meaning of spying these cables. Another point, just a point to say that uh, for Russia, for China, most of their communication, internet communication, are going through uh, onshore cables. And so their vulnerabilities are uh, less important than ours in that field. Uh, another point which, which uh, uh, makes this area very important, uh, at least for the, for the region, is the, the discovery of gas uh, deposits in Eastern Mediterranean. Uh, more than 3,000 billion cubic meters of gas. It is equivalent to Norwegian reserves. It's not so so much compared to, to Russia uh, or to, to uh, reserves, but it can make the difference for the countries, for Turkey, for Egypt, for Israel, for Palestinian Authority, for Lebanon. Uh, so and for Cyprus, all these countries, very uh, fragile for most of them, can have uh, can benefit from this gas. And that's very interesting because uh, it's a good illustration of the, the fact that, uh, you know, uh, uh, economic perspective could uh, ease tensions or not. Uh, in that case, uh, this uh, possibility of uh, earning money with the gas in this area is tensions between Egypt, Israel, uh, Jordania, uh, uh, Cyprus, uh, even uh, the Palestinian Authority. And as uh, you know that uh, there is a forum 
Eastern Mediterranean Gas Forum, which has been created to share to share these reserves and to try to, to have a common uh, common profit of it. And uh, it makes sense because you know the investments are very important, and uh, the more you are around the table, the, the easiest it is to to organize. At the same time, you have Turkey, uh, which is not part of this game, which uh, used uh, this opportunity to, to, as a tool, to antagonize uh, and to overcome his, uh, his, uh, his uh, neighbors, especially neighbors uh, he wants to, to, to dominate, I would say, in the case of Cyprus. It's a craze of Greece, and it's an opportunity for them uh, to, uh, and I will go back to, to Turkey later on, huh? but it's an opportunity to, uh, uh, to gain more uh, weight, geopolitical weight in the, in the region. So this uh, gas issue is another reason why this area is so important. And, uh, I have another another point. It is uh, anti anti ballistic missile defense. Uh, so, so we know that ABMBD is uh, very important, not only for the US, but uh, but uh, for the US for uh, your country. Uh, the system is dedicated against ICBM coming from Russia. Most uh, of these missiles are going through uh, over the North Pole. ABMD system in the med are not very important, but in fact, all the detection, the warning system, the interception in the ascending phase could uh, coming could come from the south flank of the system, and that's that the first uh, the first point, and that's the reason why there are uh, radars and uh, and. Uh, Bad, uh, sad systems, um, uh, IGS frigates in Sigonella, uh, and radars in, uh, in Romania, in Black Seas, and so on, just for, for, uh, uh, to cover the southern flank of uh, Russia's threats uh, uh, in terms of, uh, of ballistic uh, missiles. Uh, Iranian uh, development, Iran's development of uh, medium range ballistic missiles, sorry. Uh, is as well uh, uh, it has, uh, I would say uh, strength strengthened the interest of this system to protect uh, allies US allies and to protect uh, US forces in the in the MENA region uh, so uh, it's very it's very interesting that this area presents an interest for the US from this perspective as well uh, another point of this slide, I would just like to, to underline the fact that this slide shows how, with the new systems, uh, armament system, uh, not only uh, ballistic, ballistic missiles, but as well uh, anti-surface, anti-grounds uh, anti missiles, uh, cruise missiles, radars, uh, drones, and so on, the A2AD systems make this area uh, shrinking 
And uh, it's an important point, in my view, to understand that uh, the use of the sea everywhere, the use of the airspace everywhere, but especially in this very small and crowded area, uh, Mediterranean, Red Sea, Gulf of Aden, Persian Gulf, north of Indian Ocean, makes this area much more uh, difficult to, to use by military forces. And the proliferation of all these armaments, uh, look at the, what's happened in the Black Sea, the Black Sea's effect, uh, in face, uh, in fact, sorry, uh, like a lake, a very small sea, and you see what's happened to the Moskva. We know, we all know, as the sellers, I know perfectly well that it's very easy now for most of the countries uh, which are around the Mediterranean Sea, it's very easy for them to shoot at, at ships to prevent uh, aircraft to fly over them because there are proliferation of uh, S-400, 400, sorry, uh, uh, you know, caliber missiles, uh, I don't speak about Zircon and all that, all that stuff, but even Occidental Western missiles. I have made an impression when I was commanding officer, it was in 2006 in front of Liban, Lebanon, during the Lebanon, the Hezbollah-Israel war, I was uh, commanding an, an air defense destroyer, which was uh, the best of the French Navy at those time. And the Hezbollah was firing C-802 missiles, uh, Chinese missiles, from from uh, you know from uh, 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 trucks based in the Beirut airports south of Beirut. Uh, and, and the C-802 missile was an anti-ship missile, quite, quite uh, modern, because it was a copy of an harpoon, a uh, Chinese copy, very efficient and, and not so easy to, 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 to manage for uh, a modern uh, destroyer. And it was in, uh, in 2006, so uh, 20 years later, uh, this proliferation of technology make things much more difficult for for uh, Western countries. So it was just a, a point. Finally, my last my last idea that which shows that this area is strategic, especially for the U.S., is the fact that uh, uh, this MENA area and so Eastern Med is one of the fronts of the combat that now begins between, on one side, continental powers, mostly autocratic, uh, China, Russia, maybe Iran, and their allies, Pakistan, who knows. And you will see a lot of countries which are going to join them. And I would say, just to be the most neutral as possible, uh, I would say the maritime powers, trade-oriented powers, mainly democratics, not only, and, but and we, we can see this new trend with a, a dualistic uh, strategic split for a global split. And uh, when you look at the map and you, you can see, and you can see, remember you probably, uh, Mahan, uh, Mackinder, uh, Spikeman, uh, papers and books, uh, I'm sure you have already read it, uh, but we are back on this, on this situation. And MENA area, as you can see in this map, is a central area, very important in this fight 
in this combat, in this new confrontation, uh, which look like a new Cold War, but maybe it will not be only a Cold War, it could be a hot war as well, and this confrontation will structure the 21st century. So for you uh, officers, young officers, this confrontation will be your job, one of your jobs, because you will, I guess you will have several, <laughs> uh, for the years to come and the decades to come. Other point, so I go back, so you know, from general to particular, I go back to the Mediterranean and I will show you very quickly how this Mediterranean is an area, a an friction area between two worlds, as I told you, as I told you uh, uh, before. Uh, I will show you uh, several maps which il illustrate this growing gap between the north and the south shores of the Med. You will see these maps are quite always the same. They are, they are, they will, uh, I will go very fast, and so you will see it, but uh, the point is not to, to, to look precisely on the each map, but to see that they are all similar. And uh, they will cover different metrics, economic, cultural, political, uh, environmental, and you will see two words, European Union on the north, the south, coming starting from, uh, from Turkey. You will see that Israel is often like European countries, not always, but often on a lot of parameters. And you see that uh, some of the Balkans, Turkey sometimes, and Tunisia in the south are sometimes in the middle, in the middle of the, these two worlds. And so I, now I, I will show you this, this different maps. The first one, as you can see, is very uh, simple, GDP per capita, so the, the, the money, the global money of each country. So uh, you, you see what I, I wanted to show you. Israel, which is looks like South Europe, uh, Turkey, which is looking and, and half of the of the Balkanese countries, uh, more or less from the north. That's a human development index, more subtle, I would say, which integrates uh, education, which integrates uh, social uh, redistribution. Once again, more or less the same, the same uh, situation. Demographic indicators, so completely different, and without any surprise, you see old people in the north and few people in the north and many and uh, young people in the south. This slide you have at the same time median age and number of children per woman. You can see that the south of our south, I would say is saucer. <laughs> and it means that the parameter increase when you go south. So it means that the tensions are, are increasing as well. Uh, environmental vulnerability index shows that with the global warming, things are coming, uh, are worsening, and this gap is widening, will widen in the future. The corruption uh, perception index, and you, you see the same, the same, globally the same position, and you see Tunisia looking a little bit more than uh, the Maghreb country, which looks more to, uh, like a European country. A democracy index, 
gender inequality index, so the way women are uh, considered. Once again, always the same. Uh, and, and that's a, the color, sorry if the color is a bit different, that's a COVID index as well, which shows that more or less the same, the same map. So the point, my point, uh, you understand it, I guess, it's two worlds, and these worlds are, are uh, diverging, which was not uh, the, the, the aim and the, 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 the evaluation 30 years ago. We were, they were supposed to merge. In fact, they diverged. Uh, first, first point. Uh, if I can make a comparison, an electrical comparison, it's that uh, these two shores are like two uh, capacitor plates uh, between, uh, you know, uh, between which uh, the voltage increased. It could be a good thing for when you have a capacitor. I don't know if you are uh, familiar with this, uh, with, uh, this uh, mechanic and electrical uh, comparison, but uh, it, when, when you have a, a, potential difference between the two plates of the capacitor, it could be good things. It creates energy, you can use it to, to move engines and so on. But when the voltage increases too much, when the potential difference goes too far, the dielectric between the two breakdowns and you and, and, and you break everything. And that's clearly a point I wanted to, to underline. It, uh, with this discrepancy between the north and the, the south shore of the net. And this, this, this uh, tension, if I continue the comparison of electrical comparison, this tension creates frustration. And, the, and there is an, uh, an receptac a receptacle of this tension, and it is Islam. That's my next slide. Islam is at the same time uh, a receptacle, a receptacle uh, of, of this tension. It gives a sense, an intellectual sense, to the frustration which is created by this discrepancy. Uh, 30 years ago, it would have been the Marxism. Today, it is Islamism. But there is another point that the, tension, the internal rivalries within the Muslim community within Islam create another source of tension. When you have the, ten, the, the rivalities between uh, the rivalries between uh, Sunnis under the leadership of Saudi Arabia and Shiites uh, under the leadership of Iran, uh, the, the rivalries between political Islam, the Muslim Brotherhood under the influence of Qatar, of Turkey, and on the other side, uh, Salafist Islam, under the influence of Saudi Arabia, the Emirates, uh, all this te internal tension inside the Muslim world uh, reinforce the global tension. And the last impact of this, I would say, uh, rise of, of, of Islam in the South Shore, uh, the last impact is the, the reinforcement of the mistrust and the misunderstanding vis-à-vis -vis the northern shore. Because the northern shore, I, and I, I think it's more or less the, the case in, in the United States as well, uh, is in the, the northern shore of European countries uh, are in the phase of becoming more and more atheistic. And so it creates 
a clearly a distrust between the two shores and a misunderstanding. And that's part of the equation of the resentment uh, between, between, the, uh, between the South and the North. So uh, another, uh, another cause <laughs> and uh, another additional tension, as you can see, I, 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 there are several layers of tensions which, which are reinforcing each other. The South is fragmented. Uh, when you look at uh, North uh, Africa, it's very interesting to see that it is structured in vertical band of influence. Uh, Maghreb is a reality, and at the same time, it's not a reality. It's not a political reality. Uh, Morocco has much more connections with uh, Mauritania and Senegal than with Algeria or Tunisia. Algeria is much more connected with uh, Mali. And very strongly connected with Mali. By the way, it is an issue <laughs> on the Sahelian zone. Uh, Libya has a lot of connection with Niger and Chad, the same with the Egypt and Sudan. Uh, and you can see uh, that Tunisia, the small Tunisia, has no connection in the south, very few connections in the south. And that's probably one of the reasons why Tunisia is a more European-minded country of the Maghreb, because it's only way to have uh, connections, interconnections inter and exchange is with Europe. So it's much more Europe-oriented uh, than the, its uh, neighbors. But uh, the funny thing is that uh, so uh, you, you have east-west borders completely closed and north-south borders completely permeable. And that's that part of the game if you want to understand uh, this area. And, and it's generate tensions, especially because, as this uh, arrows shows, a lot in the Sahel-Saharian Strip, which is like a sea, uh, you have to understand that the Maghreban countries are, are between two seas, the Mediterranean and, uh, and the Sahelian area, and the Sahara-Sahelian area. Uh, this uh, Sahelian zone is very permeable for trafficking, for terrorism, for uh, armament, uh, human trafficking, armament trafficking, drugs trafficking, uh, and so on. And so uh, I would say that's, uh, that's uh, a pity because uh, all these countries share a lot of stakes in common, but they are not at all cooperate. And I can be further if you have some questions later on on that point. Now I will focus on East Med, and I would like to, to speak about uh, about Libya. Uh, Libya uh, is facing a, a paradox, which is shared by a lot of countries of the in the region. Uh, Libya uh, is at the same time very nationalist and want to be free to free itself from uh, interference. Uh, from, uh, Foreign powers, Turkey, uh, Europe, uh, US, uh, Egypt, uh, Russia, and so on. And uh, at the same time, it is a country which is very fragmented between East and West, East, uh, Cyrenaica, Benghazi, uh, and, uh, and West, uh, Tripoli, Tripolitania, uh, Tripoli, uh, and between uh, the North and the South, and the Fezan which is the south part of it, and, and, uh, and 
clearly, it's, uh, this fragmentation is very, very strong. You see the two prime ministers. In fact, today there are two prime ministers in uh, in, uh, in Tunisia. Uh, Mr. Bagasha, uh, which has been elected uh, in February by the Parliament of Tobruk, so his part, and uh, versus uh, the official prime minister, I would say, uh, Mr. Al Daibayba, uh, which is an supported by Turkey, the other is supported by Russia, and, uh, and uh, by, uh, by Tripolitan uh, bodies. And so clearly it's a, another uh, reality uh, of, of, of this country, which at the same time wants to be, get rid of foreign Jihadist groups and uh, foreign powers, and at the same time uh, this uh, it is the only point where, uh, on which they are agree altogether, because then they can agree for on anything. So that's a part of the, of Libya of Libya uh, challenge, I would say. Uh, and when you look at this uh, neighborhood, uh, the, uh, the the biggest country on uh, the region. You have another another kind of, uh, of paradox, I would say. Uh, you have uh, uh, Egypt uh, at the same time is the largest states and is one of the most fragile fragile states of the region, uh, especially in, Af in North Africa. Uh, when you look at Mr. Uh, Marshall C.C. Uh, objectives, the first objective is to ensure. Uh, the regime uh, survival and the stability, uh, internal stability, uh, with uh, uncontrolled growth of the population, 100 million, more than 100 million population, which is rising very, uh, very, very fast, and uh, all the economic, socio-economic challenges uh, connected. The second priority is, uh, and to preserve the stability, is fighting the political Islam and the Muslim Brotherhood. It was the case with Morsi, and you know that Sisi overcome uh, Morsi government. Uh, uh, and, and, and then you, look, you are, uh, he is in the middle of the fight between, I mentioned, about uh, uh, Qatar, uh, Turkey, Muslim Brotherhood on one hand, and uh, Emirates, uh, uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, on the other, and Salafis on the other hand. Uh, he wants third, third uh, political aim is to uh, re-establish itself, Egypt, as a regional power, uh, without upsetting Saudi Arabia for, for the, in the Arab world and the Muslim world, but clearly with uh, Turkey as as a, as a, a contender, I would say, uh, an opposing, an opposing uh, power, regional opposing power. Uh, there is an issue with it, Ethiopia because of the Nile and because of the dam of the Nile and the fact that it's vital for Egypt to have the, the water of the Nile. And, and then try to be friend with everyone, try to balance in the international relations uh, between the US, Russia, China, uh, between all the regional powers. And, uh, and that is part of the game uh, for for uh, Marshall Sisi, 
Another point which is very important to understand the, the position of Sisi is the connection, the necessity for him to work with Israel to eradicate the insurgency in the Sinai uh, Peninsula. And so clearly, it is a, a way to understand the, the very strong connection between Egypt and Israel. Uh, just to speak about Israel, I just wanted to say that uh, Israel, the motto of Israel could be uh, be clever or die, <laughs> because they are very vulnerable. And the, the main objective is to stay as long as possible as the only nuclear military power in the Middle East. And so to prevent Iran or any other state of the region to reach the nuclear threshold, so it's very difficult. But they will do their best for that because for them it's very, very important in terms of survival. Uh, so to, to do that, they want like they, their, their aim is to federate an anti-Iran regional front. That's the logic of the Abraham Accords, and maybe we can discuss about it later. Uh, to do everything possible to avoid, and that's another point, the creation of the Palestinian states. Uh, so trying to, to make things longer and longer uh, and whatever, but uh, the, the aim is to avoid this, this creation. Uh, to maintain the connection with the United States, uh, while, and that's part of the, of the game, preserving economic ties with China, the rising, the rising economic power on the world, which is very important for them. And that's, that's, that's part of the, of the equation. And then never be isolated at the UN. So uh, there is a very strong diplomacy policy with, with Israel in the, uh, in your, inside Europe, inside the UN, to be always, to have enough people, enough countries uh, supporting Israel. Uh, a word about, uh, and this map is, a, a, just to finish this map, I wanted to show you that to, 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 to illustrate how so what I call the middle, uh, middleization of the Mediterranean, the, the more and more, the involvement of the Middle East inside the Mediterranean. I spoke about Qatar, I spoke about the, the Emirates, I spoke about Arabia, Saudi Arabia, and now I spoke about Iran. Iran wants a corridor in the Med, Iran wants to have, to have uh, leverage in the Med, Hezbollah is part of the, of the this leverage, but not only sheet uh, militia in Syria, uh, Hamas. Uh, so they want to be part of the, the to, to be to be there. They want to be a Mediterranean uh, power, and Israel uh, want uh, to be get to get rid of Iran, which is seen as the, the main the main uh, opponent uh, in, the, in the in the region. And so there is a. Uh, an opposition to, to, to know where uh, the deterrence line will be drawn uh, between the two areas of, of uh, influence. And that's the, the aim of this, uh, of this map, uh, is to show this fight. Australian uh, uh, wanted to, to make it north and Iranian south. Uh, the last power I would like, regional power I would like to describe is Turkey. Uh, I was uh, hesitating to put it on my last uh, 
paragraph by last point uh, we, uh, among the big regional power uh, alongside Russia. Because in my view, Turkey, and, and I would not have said that 10 years ago, but today, Turkey is a regional power that emancipates itself and which becomes stronger and stronger and which will never uh, be the same as before. I'm sure of that. That's my, 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 my understanding. Uh, when you look at the priority of, uh, of Turkey, first you have Kurdistan. The, 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 aim, the, the first aim for Turkey is to avoid the creation of an independent Kurdistan in the Middle East, in Iraq, in Iran, in Syria, uh, just to be sure that the 20% of the population of Turkey, which are Kurds, will never have uh, the, the, the idea of creating uh, an independent state. The second point is, uh, as a lot of countries of the, in this region, is a jihadist threat. So Idlib for them is very important because it's fixed. All the jihadists, most of the jihadist threats in this, this, uh, this little uh, point. Uh, the second point for Erdogan is to uh, to uh, sustain uh, AKP, which is his party uh, control, uh, and for that, continue purges, internal purges inside the militaries, control the military, uh, to manipulate, to use the, the Turkish nationalism uh, by uh, gaining influence in a lot, big parts of the former Ottoman Empire, in the Balkans, in Cyprus, in Libya, in Tunisia, in Algeria, in Sudan, Lebanon, everywhere, by stigmatizing, uh, you know, all the old uh, enemies, Greece, Armenia, Cyprus, South Greece, uh, South Cyprus, uh, and to try to develop influence uh, of, 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 uh, of uh, of Turkey everywhere, in Africa, in Europe, in Afghanistan, for example. Uh, last point uh, to, 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 to sustain the AKP control is to use an, an Islamic nationalist agenda with the Muslim Brotherhood. I, I spoke already uh, on that, sorry. Uh, to secure uh, the, the re-election of uh, President Erdogan in 2023, the anniversary of the Republic of Turkey, very, very important. And last, uh, the last point, uh, no, my, uh, another point is to relaunch the economy, which is very, very, uh, uh, very back shape. So uh, increasing uh, partnership with China, with Asia, with Russia, with the Caucasus, with Azerbaijan. Uh, the gas issue is key for them because of that. And the connection with the EU is very important because the EU is a uh, the provider of money, strong provider of money, and the, the first uh, partner in terms of economy uh, with uh, with Turkey. And the uh, last point is to, uh, and that, that's that's key to understand uh, uh, Turkey, and it's not connected only with Erdogan. I'm sure that it will be the case uh, even with the change of regime. The to assert the sovereignty of the Turkish nation, which is will ne never be aligned as it was, as, as it used to be. So uh, to weak the European uh, Union, to manage the relationship between the United States and Russia, and you know Russia and Turkey as holding each other very strongly, we can discuss about it later, 
and to to have to continue the indigenization uh, of the Turkish defense industry, which is very important, and we can see uh, is its influence even in the Ukraine war. Uh, so that, that this slide shows exactly what I said, but it, it, it shows as well that Turkey is at the center of the of the middle uh, of the East Med uh, issues. And, uh, and it will stay that way, whatever uh, will be the, 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 the next election, election in, in Turkey in 2023. Uh, another point is that the big powers game. Uh, and, and this area is a zone where you have the rivalries between big powers. I will go very fast because you know it very well. Everywhere in, in, in the Middle East and Europe are saying that the United States are leaving this area. It's not true. You know that better than I do. Uh, there are still a lot, a lot of military uh, personnel in this area, more, more than six, uh, 60,000. Uh, but the perception issue is very, very important. The fact that Obama, Trump, and even Biden said that they want to shift eastward, that it was no more a priority for the United States. Uh, the perception issue is that the United States is no more involved in, in this area, which is not the case, but which gives, uh, which open room of maneuver for a lot of countries, a lot of powers, big and regional powers. That's part of the of the game. The Ukraine issue uh, probably will change a little bit the perception of it, but uh, okay, uh, we can we can have a better on it if if needed. I wanted to, to stay my time. Russia is back. That's quite normal. In fact, when when Russia wants to go to 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 go to to go uh, outside, I would say to be a global power or even a regional power, they have to go through warm seas and to go uh, to join the warm seas they have to go through the med and to go through the med they have to go through the uh, turkish uh, straits and to go to the second turkish straits they have to, to control the black seas so uh, everything is coherent i would say the problem with russia is not that uh, there are an actor there it is because the stand of russia vis-a-vis -vis europe vis-a-vis -vis the west the aggressivity and uh, so Russia is coming back, but and Russia is coming back strongly and in opposition, as more than spoilers, clearly in, in an opposition uh, towards uh, Europe and towards uh, the US. Uh, China uh, is coming not back, is coming for the first time, more on the economical uh, uh, aspect but uh, you know China, you know the unrestricted warfare uh, uh, theory. Uh, economy is very connected with military, with cultural, with politics, uh, with uh, all the other aspects. Uh, and and uh, there is a big game there, uh, and this area is part of it, is part of it. Uh, I, I have already mentioned it, and just thought I just want to to to, to underline it uh, because of the perception of the disengagement of the U.S. and because the fact that the 
Europe is still not an actor, a geopolitical actor in this, in this area. There is plenty of room of maneuver, and you have more and more players in the area. It's incredible to see how now the freedom of action of Israel, of uh, the Emirates, of uh, uh, Iran, of uh, all the countries. And, uh, and that's new. It was not the case 20 years ago, I can assure you. <laughs> and it's quite like a return, you know, a boomerang effect. We were uh, trying to westernize the Middle East, and now uh, Europe and this area is uh, Middle East westernized, if I may barbarism. Uh, an absent, one absent is Europe, and I can uh, elaborate a little bit more if you are interested in that point. NATO is not the good tool to use to, to deal with Middle East uh, because it, it is connected with uh, Russia, and so Ukraine is now <laughs> putting this uh, issue very high in the agenda, and so NATO will go back to its main, uh, to the main business, I would say. And Europe uh, is not yet a real power. You know, France is pushing a lot to make Europe an actor. Uh, Europe, poor money, trying uh, to solve problems only with money. But we, you know, and we know, we military know that uh, it's clearly not enough. And not enough money, but not enough politics. <laughs> and politics is not only economy. Uh, just uh, I would like to, to have a word about, uh, about Ukraine uh, impact uh, because uh, it's a good illustration, I would say, of what I've, I've said before. Uh, Ukraine uh, will increase tensions. And I, I told you this area is a concentrate of tensions already. It will polarize international relations between Russia and his allies and the West putting all other as aspects in the second place. And it's not completely good news because it will leave blind spots. And these blind spots, which will not interest the US, for example, will be used by regional powers to push their points. And uh, Europe and France must not lose sight of these blind spots and manage them on their, on their own. And uh, my last point on general, and then I have written some, some notes. The world is watching us on Ukraine, uh, especially we, the Europeans. If we uh, do not show the courage to defend our interests, our values, our models, our friends, the countries around us uh, will draw their conclusions. And they will not be very uh, unfavorable to, to European countries. That's my point. And I'm sure it's, it's a bit the same with the US. But uh, uh, I, my understanding is that uh, the European countries are much more in a critical uh, uh, position. So uh, MENA uh, switch to the second priority. It's, it's not good news for us. And you will see China and regional uh, countries push their points in the region. So we have to be aware of it. For Iran and Israel, it's a very difficult situation because they have very strong connection with Russia. 20% of the population of Israel are coming from Russia. 
and uh, Iran was uh, dealing for the GCPOA with the US and everything's blocked, and it's not a good news for them. For Turkey, it's much more, in my view, an opportunity uh, to try to triangle, I would say, uh, and we can say it every day, triangle between Russia, the US, Europe, you know, Ukraine, and, and try to be uh, at the center point of the, of the geopolitical center point of the region. Uh, the problem of the, the, the wheat price coming from Ukraine and Russia, clearly it will add tensions, internal tensions in the south, and had tensions, tensions, as you understand, I guess. Now, uh, the, the, the fact that the oil and gas price are booming is good news for some of them, but uh, for uh, it's not good news for, uh, for uh, Tunisia, it's not good news for Egypt. Not good news for uh, Lebanon, uh, Syria, so they will suffer a lot, and, and so we will have problems. Uh, all the countries which are very close connections and which have uh, ordered Russian weapons, uh, first of all, they will wait to be to have the deliveries, <laughs> because uh, I guess the Russian will keep the weapons for them. and. Uh, my last point on that uh, items is that uh, they will have a very close look at what will be uh, the end of the story. And, uh, everybody has noticed that the Middle East was very prudent not to choose too clearly their camp between Russia and the West. That's for sure. And so we will have a problem with that. To sum up and to conclude, uh, History is back. History is back with tensions, armed forces, geopolitics. The West, and especially Europe, is, no, is less and less a model and more and more a target. And so we have to take it into account. Uh, I think the US and Europe uh, will stand together uh, in front of uh, Russia, and that's for sure. But uh, there is a, a need for uh, a form of strategic of autonomy because there, are, there will be some times and some issues where the US will not uh, will not want to be involved. Clearly, the the migration issue, the terrorist Islamic uh, terrorist issue, is not an issue for the US, and, and it's, it's it's an issue for European countries. And China, Asia issues is an issue for uh, the US, is an issue for France, by the way, because we are very uh, involved in Asia, Asia Pacific, but uh, not for Germany. So clearly there is a need to have a form of strategic autonomy, and it's, it will be good for both areas, for the United States and for European countries. And uh, we are entering in a neo-Bismarckian world. Uh, just to elaborate, uh, one sentence. Uh, a neo-Bismarckian world is a world where alliances will be uh, of variable geometry. So partner of one day can be an opponent in another day. And it's not a scandal. Can happen. It can happen. And we have to deal with that. It's not always easy for soldiers to accept it because dying for a partner, for a against an opposant who can be a partner uh, the day after, it's not very easy. 
but we have to take it into account that in this complex world, this can happen. And, uh, and uh, we have to, to, to avoid uh, a too simplistic and too Manichaean perspective, especially in the MENA region, where things are very complex. And in this world, which is very complex and much more complex, and uh, we have to be uh, clever. We have to be clever, especially for countries, for uh, medium-sized countries as France. We have to be clever. We have to be courageous, and uh, not only courageous, you know, courageous and clever, and not only clever, uh, courageous as well. And so, uh, I guess uh, uh, your job in the future will be very different from the job from your senior uh, officers. For the job I have done for nearly 40 years, uh, and the world in in which you, you are going to live is completely different from your parents' world. So you will have to imagine and to understand a new world with new uh, rules. Uh, but it will be very demanding, and once again, you have to be clever and brave. Thank you for your attention. Thank you, Admiral. Thank you so much, and and I'm. Uh... Uh, you've said a lot, uh, and I have questions, but I first wait until let's see if what, any of our students have questions. But I'm glad that you ended it with that uh, note of us, all of us, having to be more clever and, and look at things, the complexity of which you, you so uh, uh, fully told us. I think we here at, at MCU in the Krulak Center, that is our hope to, uh, you know, we have a statement here for, from our namesake, General Krulak, if you don't educate, you're finished. Uh, we hope to do that through education here, through making sure that our officers who come and stay with us for a year or so, uh, get a time, a chance to look at the complexity uh, without the pressures of the daily tasks that our military officer has. So when they go there, uh, they, they see exactly what you uh, uh, so, so well uh, you know, illustrated. Uh, I, I would not ask a question until uh, our students do. I uh, just want to say that, you know, you talked about 1981 going in there post-1979. That is the reason I became an American. So I was uh, became homeless right after that, and uh, this country opened its arms, so here I am and became a Marine. My question to you comes back to two specific countries within this complex scope, as you mentioned. Uh, and that is Russia and, and Turkey. Uh, you know, you, you ended by saying Turkey is looking at the situation in Ukraine as an opportunity. I, I totally agree with that, uh, as we know that they have uh, invoked the Montreux Convention, uh, which, which gives them a lot of power, but also responsibility. Uh, the 30 or so vessels of Russia that are outside, uh, they cannot now enter the, the Black Sea. As this situation in Ukraine evolves, uh, how do you see the role of Turkey and Russia vis-a-vis uh, -vis the power play? I mean, if Russia wants to exert more influence in the Mediterranean as its base in Syria specifically or Libya or elsewhere, and if Turkey wants to exert more, take more opportunities, will these opportunities in your view, in the near future, be coordinated with Russia or they will make but Turkey tried to use it as such to make itself a more of a, a formidable power and also a power that the West 
look at as perhaps a, a, a bulwark against Russian expansion, further expansion into the Mediterranean. Uh, uh, I would say that uh, I think uh, they will try to continue how they are dealing right now. I mean, Turkey and Russia are, uh, I would say, historically in opposition because they are confronting for uh, the dominance of the Black Sea. Uh, they are confronting for the dominance of the Caucasus. Uh, so uh, there are plenty of reasons to be opposed. And at the same time, there are plenty of reasons to cooperate because they are not strong enough alone. Uh, they need to cooperate uh, just beginning economically. Uh, Turkey is a very good client for the gas, Russian gas, and a good way to, uh, uh, to uh, transfer the gas towards uh, Europe, which is uh, the, the main consumer. That's the first point. Uh, it's, uh, they are obliged to, to, to cooperate because they are not strong enough to be the only power in, in Africa, in the North Africa, uh, in the Middle East, and they share the same view, that key point, which is a new one. They share the same view vis-a-vis uh, -vis Europe and vis-a-vis -vis the West. I think it would be a huge mistake to think that after Erdogan, Turkey is going back to be a very good little soldier of the West. These times are over. Uh, these times are over because the world changed, the Muslim world have completely changed, and uh, the, the psyche of the uh, Turkish uh, population has changed. And you know, the influence of Ataturk, laicity, uh, all that stuff which has been bring, which was, was very important for, uh, for Turkey for decades, which was, by the way, at the end, very strongly uh, implemented by the military. And one of the difficulties in Turkey during the beginning of the 21st century is that the Democrats were less westernized than the authoritarian. The military uh, in, in Turkey that I knew for my generation, they were very Western-minded. And, uh, but they were not Democrats, in fact. Uh, and, and the population is much more uh, connected with the Middle East, with the Islamic world. They are much less uh, at ease with uh, the way uh, the European societies are evolved, are evolving. Uh, and so uh, their vision of the future is not always uh, connected and not completely connected with the Western world. And so uh, it will be uh, the, the, the vision of Turkey as part of a new world, which is an, another model than the European model, is completely in line with the vision of Russia today, with Putin Russia, and, uh, and the most of the people in Russia. Most of them are very westernized, it's the same in Turkey, but there are now a minority, and the trend, I would say, 
that's the de-westernization of the world. The trend is not on that way. So I see uh, in the future, uh, opposi opposition between Turkey and Russia in the Caucasus, in North Syria, in Libya, even, uh, even in Mali, for example, in the Sahelian zone, competition, in fact, between them, more than opposition, sometimes opposition and sometimes competition, but they will join uh, when they will face Europe and they will join when they will face the United States. With the United States, it's more complex because uh, the need for the United States uh, for uh, Turkey is much more important than the need uh, for uh, for uh, the, the weight of the uh, European countries are, are less important because there are no uh, political weight uh, in Europe right now. Uh, and that's the reason why my guess is that uh, Erdogan and his uh, successor, if he has a successor, will try to manage this uh, jeu à trois uh, between uh, Russia uh united states and turkey and uh it's exactly what's happened in the in in, in ukraine and uh, i would say that uh we have to take it into account which doesn't mean by no way that we have to antagonize uh, turkey we have to take it into account to accept it and to deal with that and probably to show that we are not uh we are not uh uh, afraid of uh, a string of force, you know, use the strength, use, use the force, use uh, the, uh, the strength of use of force if needed. Uh, that's exactly what she, you have said, have, have done uh, in uh, 21, uh, beginning of 21, uh, with the Cyprus issue. The gas Cyprus issue, you know, Turkey was preventing Cyprus to uh, to use to prospect his gas in his EZ, and at the opposite was making prospection in Greece, Greek, and Cyprus uh, waters. And the EU has said that they will uh, in the, they intend to uh, EU intend to to use. Uh, Retaliation, economic retaliation uh, in front of that, and uh, Turkey uh, accepted and seized his prospection. So clearly, it's good illustration of the new world can oppose some a country without any uh, being an enemy of this country, but you have to accept the new rules of this world, which is more brutal than it used to be uh, 20 years ago, or 15 years, or even 10 years ago. Thank you, sir. Uh, Major Brown uh, will take over the Q&A. He has the ch chat. Uh, go ahead, please. Yeah, so we'll start with Lieutenant Colonel uh, Segantini, sir. I see your hand up. So if you're able to ask on your microphone, just go ahead. Good afternoon, sir. Lieutenant Colonel Segantini, French Army. Um, just a, a quick question. You described a, a world where um, there are some uh, big ruptures and um, uh, uh, the fact that Turkey is uh, probably one of the 
great emergent power in the uh, in this region. Uh, my question is uh, looking uh, looking back to uh, the French vision on the European Union and NATO, the fact that we can we used to consider that both are the two sides of the same coin. Um, do you see any room for um, um, let's say a, a new a new way to uh, to see the uh, European security architecture um, with Turkey? Um, in a sense that uh, takes the opportunity for this um, uh, the, the position of Turkey to uh, to, to, to have a, a different approach. I, I would say that we used to have uh, before before the current crisis. Uh, I would say that it, it shows uh, the Bismarck, the neo Bismarckian world. I would say. Uh, uh, when you look at uh, at uh, Russia, and clearly we are entering a new phase of confrontation with Russia. We can hope that it will stay a cold war, even if it's a hot war right now. Uh, but uh, clearly, it will be a big confrontation for uh, decades. And 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 Turkey must be on our side, I would say. And NATO will be very important in that field. NATO will be important because NATO is a very structured military alliance with the US on board and with Turkey on board. And Turkey is the south south flank of NATO. So clearly, uh, it's a perfect tool to face this kind of opposition. And we will be alongside and we will be we will work with Turkey and probably military, uh, French military will be alongside their uh, counterparts. Turkey's counterparts on that field, but dealing with uh, North Africa, dealing with Middle East, dealing with uh, uh, Sub-Saharan uh, Africa, we will be in a competition with Turkey and not a very uh, friendly competition. Uh, they will pour money to, uh, to put Europeans away of Turkey. And uh, dealing with uh, uh, Islam radicalism in Europe, uh, with uh, the, the Muslim Brotherhood in, in Europe, with the diaspora, clearly we will have problems with Turkey. And so uh, there will be discussion, competitions, sometimes opposition between uh, European countries and Turkey on that field which by, doesn't mean that we will be enemies. That's the reason why we have to, to, be, to get rid of Manichaean vision and to accept the, this complexity. And, uh, and you know, even with Russia, uh, maybe in the future we'll have a pandemic, a new pandemic, uh, a huge economic crisis, a problem of, uh, you know, uh, who knows? Plenty of, of things. And we can, we will be in a position to cooperate with Russia. And so at the same time, we will have, will be in opposition, sometimes in confrontation, and sometimes in cooperation with the same country. That's not so easy to swallow for military people. Because when you are risking your life, you are not very happy with the idea of risking your life for, against a country which can be a friend the next day. That's a problem. But clearly, we have to accept this kind of, of, uh, of issue. Uh, uh, 
So I, I guess I, I hope I have just, uh, answered your question, but I wanted to underline a, a specific point with the US because the US, the American state of mind is often a, a quite a little bit Manichaean uh, uh, vision of the world. And uh, the American uh, often needs to know who is uh, the good guy and who is the bad guy. And you are with us or against us. My understanding is it will be a, a, a big, big failure if we are telling that to the people of the world, everybody will be against us. Look at the reaction after the Ukraine wars, in, not only in the Middle East, quite everywhere in the world. People, even the countries which are following the US, even or, or the West, because we are completely on the same side with uh, on that field, uh, we are Europeans, uh, countries who are keen to follow the US are not at ease at all with this uh, notion of choosing their camp. And so if we oblige, if, if, we, if we train to, to, to uh, force countries to choose, oh, maybe they will not choose our camp. And that will be a big failure. We will antagonize a lot of countries and we don't need it at all, at all. Because China is behind it, behind Russia. China is very clever. China is, has a very long-term strategy. China's clearly interests are not often online with our interests. I would say, if I may, that European interests are not always the same as American interests, but they are more or less often the, the same, which is not the same, <laughs> the same thing. And so, uh, uh, we have to adapt it, to accept it, and to deal with that. And uh, <laughs> back to Turkey, because it will be an issue for the future. You will see Turkey will uh, look at Ukraine. Uh, so they prevent Russian ships to go inside uh, the Black Sea. Good. That's a good point for us. But they, they refused to forbid uh, uh, Russian airplane uh, to, uh, to to go to in, in, in Turkey and the business it's business as usual and that's not a good thing for us uh, but we have to, first of all uh, they do what they want and so <laughs> we can't force them and then uh, we have to accept this this uh, position and try to use it in our interests that's the question of being clever, how to use the position of somebody of a country which is not in line with you. Uh, that, that's key, that's key. So, you know, there, is, there will be another question, less tricky for Europe, but a little bit far away, but, uh, but clearly very important. It's the peninsula, uh, Arabic peninsula. You can see that Chinese, Russia, are very, very uh, more and more uh, involved there against the US, not only against uh, Europe, but against the US, that's for sure. And if the Americans are not clever enough, I don't want to, to give the impression that I give lessons, huh? uh, but you know, they are not very uh, in line with this new situation, uh, they will lose, they could lose. The, the peninsula, which is which will be a very uh, tricky thing, because if uh, Saudi Arabia 
uh, choose uh, China, uh, we are going to lose a lot of things, and not only the gas and the petrol, but as well, you know, the, the, the way the way to go uh, through the, the Red Sea, and th that could be a very uh, a very tricky thing for, especially for militaries. Thank you, sir. All right, thank you, sir. Our next question is from Captain Neil Boltman, one of our EWS students here, and he's. The question is, do you believe the discovery of gas reserves in the Eastern Mediterranean is a serious tension builder between Turkey and its neighbors, or is it simply exacerbating existing territorial disputes? Um, is, is, is this a real long-term problem or, or a temporary problem? I would say that, uh, I would say that this problem came clearly from the Turkey side. It means that, um, uh, I'm not saying at all that Turkey is the bad guys in this uh, story. I'm saying that Erdogan choose deliberately to use this issue as a tool to put the pressure on Cyprus, on Greece, uh, on Europe. That was a, that, that was a choice uh, he made very uh, very deliberately because they could have done completely differently my point it's a guess only a guess my guess is that maybe because of the global tensions and the new uh, framework which is now uh, is now in place and and progressively in place uh, he will probably try to ease this kind of tensions uh, which by no way means that he will go back in line with the EU, with the West, with the neighborhood, and so on. Not at all, but because he will just uh, consider that his interest, Turkey's interest, is better defended in cooperation uh, on that field uh, than uh, by confrontation. That's only a pure uh, rational point of view. So my, my point is that for sure, if Turkey joined the forum, East Med Gas Forum, it would be good news for everybody, more or less, because they will be able to launch big, pro big programs, big projects to use this gas. And you know that uh, Europeans are looking for uh, uh, new gas uh, to, 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 be, to get rid of uh, Russian gas, and they are ready to pay for that. And the price, uh, the rising of the oil price is a very good news for this kind of project. So, yeah, there are, you have a lot of money to earn if you agree and everybody agrees to, to pump the gas uh, in this uh, area. They can be very easily uh, connected with Turkey hub, uh, which already exists uh, with the TANAP pipe in Turkey. So Turkey will benefit from this uh, exploitation. It could be not a good news for Egypt, which has on his way uh, as well uh, installations to uh, to exploit uh, his gas. But I'm sure that a deal can be done between Turkey and Egypt on that field. And so it could be a win-win arrangement. Not so good, not as good as uh, Erdogan sought two years ago, but much better than it is today. So uh, I think it, it can it can improve. My point is just that, uh, and it would be a good thing because at the end of the day, it would create cooperation. It will integrate, really integrate 
Turkey in the framework of its neighborhoods in Eastern Med. So very good news for that. But uh, be sure that uh, uh, there is always an issue with the islands of the Aegean seas, uh, with Castel Norizo, uh, with the fact that uh, uh, there is a, a very strong nationalist feeling in Turkey, which has been uh, pushed by Erdogan. And it's not so easy to explain to the people that uh, we will deal now with the Greek and uh, it was not a very so important. So now, you know, when you have putting the the flames on, it's, it's sometimes difficult to, to ease the fire. And uh, and uh, so that, this point will be an issue for uh, for a political issue for Erdogan, especially in, uh, before the election, the next election, because uh, they will, uh, it's very easy for him to try to use this nationalist uh, trend, which he, uh, he push now, uh, for uh, 10 years at least and 15 years uh, so uh, it's a little bit tricky but uh, my guess is that uh, they will try to uh, find an accommodation and that uh, Greek, Cyprus, Egypt, Israel is more or less ready to have an accommodation but uh, uh, as soon as Erdogan will have the feeling that it is in his interest to recreate the tensions on this issue on or on other issues as well he will do it he will do it it's not a, a problem people are not once again separated between bad guys and good guys it was a question of interest and now uh, people are defending their own interest without any inhibition which was not the case it was not the paradigm 30 years ago and that's the main difficulties for especially European countries, but maybe for US as well, for American people as well, is to understand that we are now back in the in the logic of interests and not, you know, civiliz common civilization, common model, and uh, uh, we and share we share the same value, and that's it. Um, in fact, it's no more the case. It doesn't mean that our values uh, are not important and we have to fight for it if needed, but we have to accept that our values are not shared completely by others who are, uh, who are other models and will they defend their models, they defend their interests, and it's good, it's a, it is a new rule of the game. So just to sum up, to sum up, uh, there is an opportunity to have an ease in these gas issues in the East Med. Sir, thank you for for a. Uh, if anybody has a last last minute question, right here. But uh, we are uh, four minutes past your time. We know that it's uh, afternoon for you, sir. We we truly appreciate your your very comprehensive talk in this, uh, both for for uh, understanding the Eastern Mediterranean as a whole, but also the overarching aspects of what this new phase of the world, the complex phase we are entering. I think uh, for all of us, whether we are on the military uniform side or uh, looking at this from uh, a civilian side uh, or just citizens of all of our countries, I think this phase is uh, important. I, I uh, share your, your views uh, and also concerns. I will say 
uh, it's not fear, but it's concern. We have to be a bit more, we have to go with our eyes open and we have to uh, make compromises in certain places. I again agree on that one. Uh, so uh, thank you very much. We, uh, I hope to be in contact with you directly, but also collectively center to center. We appreciate your support of our work and, and uh, uh, we, I think this is a learning journey that we have uh, with the FEBS and our centers and hopefully we can jointly uh, make our uh, leaders and our students learn about this. Have a very good uh, weekend, sir. And again, merci beaucoup. Thank you and au revoir. All right. Just, just a word, just a word to say that uh, uh, we have produced a new atlas, uh, atlas of the MENA area, uh, Middle East, North Africa. Uh, it's completely free. It is online. It is very military-oriented atlas. Uh, right now, it is only available in French, but we are we will have an English version in two weeks' time in line, once again, completely free. Uh, most of the maps I show you are coming from this atlas. Uh, my, well, my aim is to, uh, to promote the reflection and to promote uh, the, the vision that this area is very, very important, very, quite complex, but understandable if we make the effort to try to understand it. And that, once again, not to be completely Overhelm, but the Russia uh, issue, which is key and which has connection in the MENA region, as I told you. But uh, there are other problems and we have to take it into account. And this atlas is dedicated for that. So uh, do not hesitate to, to, to read it, to send it. Once again, it's free. It's just for you, just for people making people try to make us collectively more clever. Thank you so much, sir. We, I will actually go uh, to your website. Uh, uh, I was I was in a French school, so I can read it. But we have others here who can read that. And, and uh, by the time it becomes English, we will we will we will uh, use and maybe even steal some of your maps and and, and uh, use them as our own educational uh, tools. Thank you so much, and I hope to see you somewhere uh, soon. And that I will be in the region. I may actually come and knock on your door. Uh, uh, okay. Thank you. It will be a pleasure to see you back in Europe if you come. And thank you, Amen. Thank you, Ayam, and uh, everybody. Education is what's important. Training, preparation for the expected. Education, preparation for the unexpected.